Well there. Hello. Scott the Silver Heathen here. Glad to be back. Uh, oh, I forgot this was on my shoulder. This, uh, this little fella right here. Uh, the camera's not going to let it come in. But anyway, that's for another time. Got to do cool things with that, I think. Um, so, uh, right to it is kind of impromptu. Not really. I mean, pages and pages of uh, notes that I took, uh, things to talk about. Um, but uh, I'm just going to wing it. So, uh, as most people know, I uh, was sentenced for an OWI from August of 2020 on January 3rd of 2023, just uh, about 46 days ago, I was sentenced. Um, and uh, they, uh, they gave me two months in jail, four days of credit, and then uh, with the good time, it was uh, 45 days in jail. And, uh, you know, I just got to mention one thing about the 45 days. Um, so many people in jail were like, oh, 45 days, that ain't shit. You know, and then I've heard people, uh, people say, oh, I could do a, a year in the county jail. I could do that standing on my head. I could do that. No problem. And it's like, wow, that's not something to be fucking proud of. Um, a weekend in jail is rough. And uh, a weekend in this jail is would be extremely rough, uh, let alone 45 days. This, uh, I'm being honest, man, this was a, a real shithole. And, and a lot of people will say, well, it's jail. You're not supposed to like it. It's not supposed to be nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. I fucking get that shit. But uh, there were a lot of things uh, that went on in here that I thought were completely unnecessary. Um, as far as being an addict um, or alcoholic, when I, when I say alcoholic, I mean, Alcoholic and addict. When I say addict, I mean addict and alcoholic. They're they're included. I can't speak on, you know, when you hear the word addict, I can't speak on taking pills. I, I only did that momentarily, so I don't have a lot of experience with that. Um, I have 20 plus years of experience as being a, a really terrible alcoholic. So, um, but when I say those words, I get them interchanged because I was in treatment for so long that, you know, we just, the, the words just flow out. So, when I say addict, I mean alcoholic too. If I say alcoholic, I'm, I'm both. But I can only truly speak on alcoholism. But anyway, to be either one of those in jail, uh, especially when you have a good start on your recovery, like I feel that I had going in, um, I was uh, coming up as a, just a, a little over, I think it was eight days shy of uh, four months of sobriety since my last relapse. So I celebrated four and five months uh, in jail. Uh, I was doing the podcast before I went in. Uh, that's super healthy for me. It's like a video diary, um, a journal, if that's more manly, what, whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, able to go to online AA meetings, able to talk on Facebook with people I went to treatment with and, and stay connected, which I've mentioned before in other, in other videos that connection is the opposite of addiction well you get into jail you're surrounded by people that you're supposed to avoid in in, in treatment you're supposed to avoid people that are still um abusing and and um using um that's another term that people get like oh abusing no it's a negative word shut the fuck up 
it's it's a negative experience so it's okay uh you're surrounded by people that that just can't wait to get out of jail and continue using their drug of choice uh and it's totally unhealthy uh there is there in this jail there was as far as recovery i had journaling i went through three notepads of notes and journals uh just to try to stay focused on my recovery they had aa every saturday and otherwise that was it and uh it was just uh it was quite the challenge and jail's not, it's supposed to be a punishment um but i'm i'm a lot angrier than i'm i'm representing here because they call jail and prison corrections a lot of times, corrections facilities. There's no correcting any fucking problems whatsoever when it comes to people who are otherwise good people, uh, nonviolent people that just have an addiction and they have a disease and they're sick and they need help. There's no correcting that. I, I, I if anything, uh, was worse off. I got out of jail. Um, you know, I was so excited. I, I, I couldn't sleep the last day and I got out of jail and then I got home yesterday. I spent some time with some re- very important people. Um, and then I got to talk to all you important people, not all of you, um, but a lot of important people in my life. Um, I even got to talk to my kids for two hours on the phone last night about baseball and basketball cards. And I got off the phone and cried my eyes out. That's the longest I've talked to them. I mean, that that's the longest probably in two years that I've talked to them combined uh, on the phone. It's just been just short bursts and text messages because they're, they're hurt and they're scared. So overall, it should have been a good day. Um, I just absolutely exhausted last night. And then today I woke up and I just, I crashed mentally. Um, a lot of crying, laying in my bed, not knowing what to do with myself, not wanting to spend time uh, with my friends. Uh, I just, I was exhausted mentally. I, it's real rough. So uh, nothing gained except for um, nothing gained by me by being in there, I guess, which, like I said, is kind of the point. But um, they gained a lot. They they get to charge you a thousand dollars for the days that I was in there. Uh, twenty bucks a day rent. Um, so whatever government funding that these places get, they get twenty dollars a day. I mean, that's a decent apartment. That's like six hundred bucks a month um, in rent uh, to stay there. Um so I should probably just start from the beginning. Uh, January 3rd, got up in the morning, uh, went to jail, uh, finally got in front of the judge, uh, talked to the lawyer beforehand. He's a really useless piece of crap. In fact, um, you'll hear from his cousin. Um, it's a parody, but it's going to be fun. It's going to, I'm going to make some commercials uh, for the, for the podcast, uh, poking a little fun at the guy. Uh, at his expense, because you know what, this is an honest podcast. Fuck that dude. Um, really didn't have anything to say for me when I was uh, in front of the judge. Uh, the prosecutor talked um, as if this happened yesterday, when in actuality it happened in August of 2020. It was two years and four months prior uh, to this date that this incident happened, and uh, I got to read a, a statement that I that I wrote, and it 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 obviously helped because they didn't add probation. They just gave me jail time and a $500 fine plus the the fees that come with being in jail. So at the end of the day, for them convicting me of a third offense OWI, um, my sentence was pretty damn good. Uh, So I guess it did help me reading that myself. But the lawyer himself is just, I mean, they're there to get a paycheck if they're they're court appointed. So 
Um, so yeah, uh, third OWI, I am, I'm a felon. So no guns and no voting for me until I can find a way to get this expunged off my record. So I have not committed a violent crime in my life, but I am a felon and here we are. So again, please do not take anything that I say in this as me whining and crying like I'm a victim. I am not a victim. I chose to put the alcohol in my system, um, knowing full well the things that could happen when I have alcohol in my system. So I am not a victim in this. I deserve everything that I got um, as far as a sentence. I just believe that the system could be a lot better and actually help people as opposed to just chewing them up and spitting them out. And as I go through this conversation and tell you about the things I saw in there, um, yeah, hopefully it, it shows a picture of why I'm so frustrated and how it ended when I was leaving that morning, just put a cap on everything. Uh, the thing that the guard said to me when I was leaving and, you know, on one hand, it's like, who gives a fuck, dude? You never have to see those guys again. But it, but it just, it sums up how they treat people in addiction. You know, they're just crap people. That's, you're scum. You're worthless. That's, that's how almost every single guard treated you in there. Every single in, inmate. You know, I was in there with a guy who uh, was on his 10th d- domestic violence charge. And you want to talk about a dude who thought he was a victim? Saying they're all bullshit? That dude is the epitome of being completely absent from reality. But anyway, so uh, get the, uh, the judge says four to five days in jail. I'm going to jail. <clears throat> I lean over to my lawyer and I'm like, hey, can you talk to my dad back there? Uh, I brought my medications with me. Um, you know, I'm on five different medications, um, you know, for depression, anxiety. I'm on an antipsychotic that because I can't sleep, I can't sleep in the real world. So, you know, imagine how hard it is to sleep on a steel bed with a mat that's that thick. Um, so sleep was, uh, was at a minimum, uh, when I was in there and I leaned over to the lawyer and my, Hey, can you get with my dad and show him where to take the meds? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he never went and talked to my dad at all. Um, so I get taken back. Um, I'm put in a little holding room, uh, while court is finishing up. And uh, I'm in this guy in this room with this guy um, who's going back to prison. He's going to be facing federal charges. He's got, you know, and and he's just it's like another day at the office for him. I thought it was very strange. But, you know, appearances, he was a dude sitting there in glasses. He's clean cut, you know, a well-spoken dude. You wouldn't I would have never guessed he he could have told me that he was in there for, you know, uh, OWI, drunk in public, something, you know, uh, jaywalking. (laughs) And I would have believed him. Um, so you get, uh, you get processed in, you get taken back and, uh, you have to sit in a holding tank for 24 hours and, um, you don't get to go to your pod until after 24 hours. So, um, so finally 24 hours, they pull me out of the holding cell and they take me into this room and, uh, it's just you and one guard and he tells you, take all your clothes off. So you get naked in front of this dude, um, you got to pull up your nutsack and make show them that there's nothing tucked under your nuts. And then you got to turn around and squat and cough and make sure there's nothing up your butt. You're not smuggling any drugs in or whatever. You know, I'd like to see the statistics on, statistics on that and see how many times something falls out of the butt and how many times people have shit 
taped to their nutsack. Be interesting. Maybe I'll do some research on that. So anyway, they uh, they take they they take all your clothes and you throw them in a bag. And um, they, they didn't take an inventory of anything. You know, I got I got my uh, uh, Hugin and Moonin. Uh, these these represent Odin's ravens for me. Um, very important to me. They were they were when I found these and I, I discovered my spiritual side. Uh, these things are very important to me. I was forty five days of worrying that these guys would just take them and throw them, but I got them back, so it's all good. So after they uh, take all your clothes, they give you a top. Um, it's orange if you're not sentenced. It's green if you're already sentenced. So they gave me a green top and a green pant- pair of pants, and that was it. Oh, and they give you some uh, orange Crocs. Uh, they give you no undershirt. They give you no underwear, and they give you no socks. So you uh, grab your uh, you grab your stuff. You get two sheets, one blanket, um, a pad to sleep on. Uh, a really thin bar of soap, like two-use bar of soap if you're actually trying to get clean. They gave me one small uh, tube of toothpaste, I mean, uh, smaller than the salt shaker I have sitting here, and uh, a really crappy uh, tiny toothbrush that the bristles come off and get lodged in between your teeth and then left in your mouth. But again, that's J-O-Y, right? I'm sure that's what a lot of people are thinking. Um, so that's all you get. And so when it comes to what you're wearing, one day a week, your uniform, let's call it uniform, uh, get washed. So remember I said they didn't give you anything else like for under underwear or undershirts or anything. So if you have nobody on the outside and you know nobody in, in jail that is willing to give you something, the only way to get that thing clean is to send it out the one day a week that they allow it to happen. And they take it at night and they wash it and they bring it back sometime the next morning. So you're going to be sitting naked in jail, uh, essentially, if you want to get that uh, cleaned. Um, there was one dude who who stunk so freaking bad. uh I mean, because he had nothing, he had nobody uh, to to be able to send him anything. And uh, he washed his pants one day and he hid in his room until somebody brought him his bag with his pants in it. You know, so, I mean, best case scenario, you wrap up in your blanket and walk out and get it. Uh, it made no sense to me whatsoever. Um, in Emmett County, when I was in there, they would have a change out day. They would give you a new top and bottom. Uh, well, they actually gave you one pair, uh, one or two pairs of socks, uh, uh, some uh, boxers and a, and a undershirt, one or two undershirts. I don't remember. Um, so you had something to wear underneath them because think about it. How many dudes had this, had these, the suit on before me with just their nuts and ass rubbing all over it. And given the amount of stains on the towels, oh, they give you a towel too. Given the amount of stains, unknown stains on the towels and the sheets, uh, you know, I, I can only imagine. I did not inspect it thoroughly when I uh, put them on and, and started thinking about that because you can't. I mean, I really turned the light on in my in my cell because I didn't want to see things that I probably would have seen. Um, so luckily, I you know, I have a really, really great person on the outside that was willing to send me um, send me some things uh, to, to help me be able to change and, and stay ungross. 
Uh, that one bar of soap, like I said, was like a two-use thing. And uh, when they do order you stuff from the outside, it's automatically right from go, like $5.50. So um, no matter what you order, uh, they extort you for an additional $5.50 for something that they, for every item, you know, they, they pay probably half the cost um, or, or less. Um, so uh, get into the pod um immediately rushed by three four dudes wanting to know why i'm in there how long i'm in there like shit that uh, like i've been around enough that I, I i you know they asked my out date and i'm like yeah i'm not sure yet um even though i was sentenced and uh and you know the ones that were like well you're sentenced right i'm like yeah well i'm i'm not out of here soon enough and the ones that had been in jail for a minute, they knew what I was saying. I was saying in a polite way, it's none of your fucking business. Um, but guys coming to me right away, oh, you're, you're sentenced. So if people put money on your books, they're automatically going to take half of it. So I'm not sentenced. So if you want, you can have your people put money on my books and I'll just, uh, I'll order the stuff for you. Oh man. Yeah. Fuck. I'm, I have stupid tattooed on my forehead. I will do that. Uh, so I ended up uh, being able to switch rooms and I got up to a single bedroom, which was nice. Um, there were like three of them that just had one bed. They're little tiny rooms. It was a pod that had uh, nine rooms. And I think uh, three of the rooms had single beds. I got, I lucked, I lucked out. It was pretty empty when I got in there and I got a single bed. The rest had uh, bunk beds. So you could always end up with a, uh, with the partner, which, uh, man, I, I don't, I, all but one partnership that was shared, which was a creepy one that maybe I'll get to. Um, only one really worked out that wasn't somebody bitching about something all the time. So, uh, anyway, I get in the cell and, um, so meds are coming around and I talk to the, uh, to the nurse and I'm like, uh, did, did you guys get any of my meds? And she's like, what meds? Uh, okay. So you didn't get any meds. So I'm like, um, can you check and see my dad had my meds. The lawyer was supposed to get with him to drop them off. And, uh, so he's like, uh, yeah, we'll go and see. So, uh, nothing happened for a couple of days, three, four days. And so I ask again, and she's like, oh, yeah, it's going to be two weeks before you get any of your meds. Um, what pharmacy do you use? We can call and check. So, okay. So told them that where I get my meds uh, filled, it should be an easy call um, to show that I'm not lying about what I'm on. Um, so a little less than two weeks later, about a week and a half, I was like, hey, did you get any news on my meds? Um, yeah, we might we might be able to get you um your blood pressure medication, which there's actually two that I have, but uh, they apparently don't know what all the meds do. So they they got me one med and they said it's going to be another two weeks before you, they get the rest of your meds. Now, they, they said it'll be another two weeks before you get the rest of your meds. To me, that's you're going to get all your meds. So but two weeks and two weeks is a month and I'm only in there for 45 days. Long story short, um, I inquired again. Uh, with who appeared to be one of the uh, higher up aides that dropped off meds. And she's like, oh, have you talked to Troy yet? And I'm like, who the hell's Troy? 
Oh, obviously not. So the next day I got to go talk to this Troy guy and this Troy guy informed me that, um, none of my meds are allowed. They just don't allow you to have your meds. You have a family doctor. I've had, I've been in treatment for, uh, you know, basically all of last year working on my mental health and anxiety and pills, and you just can't have them. The jail can trump your doctor and tell you to straight up fuck off. You're not getting your meds. There was one, they did say that I could have my Prozac and it never happened. And he showed me the list and showed me where I was on the list. Um, there was no way that I was going to get in to see. After I seen this Troy guy who they told me that he's the one that would be able to give me the answers. He told me I had to go see somebody else, the doctor, um, in order to get the okay to even get the Prozac, which they do allow. And I never would have made it. It would have taken at least another month before I could have got in there if I was lucky. So... Some of these medications, you st stop abruptly. Um, I didn't do the research because I don't really want to know because I'm pissed off about it. Um, but, you know, I know that I had a lot of up and downs in there. I know that my legs were restless. They're shaking all the time. Um, you know, I, I couldn't sleep. Uh, and it was terrible. You know, there there are withdrawals from just abruptly stopping, stopping um, some medications. Um, so to make matters worse, uh, the second week I was in there, I, uh, I get really bad gout and, uh, I get it in my ankle and then I get it in the ball of my foot. Like normal people get it in their, their big toe or whatever. Um, I get it in both my ankle and my, to the point that I could barely walk. I asked every single day for weeks. Um, I wrote a kite. The kite is just, you write on a piece of paper, your name and what you want. And I'd send it to the nurse and ask for ibuprofen. And I didn't get ibuprofen from the jail uh, until the second or third day before I left. I got ibuprofen from them. Uh, I had to wait for my people on the outside to order it on Wednesday. And then every Friday, I could get four two-packs of ibuprofen um, to last me for a week. Now, if you've ever had gout, it's... Uh, the people that have had it, they get it. But like just a, a sheet rubbing on your foot um, kills the wind. It almost feels like when a cold breeze, you know, it's just throbbing all the time. Um, you can't move it. And remember how I said I had restless leg. So if this is my ankle, okay, and my leg is, my foot is doing this all freaking night long because it had to be a side effect of my meds or it's just me not, there's something that I have because I quit drinking. Waking up, basically screaming in pain. I mean, it is like there are shards of glass or little tiny pebbles in your joints. It hurts so bad. Um, there was one one dude in there that uh, was nice. He would get my tray and bring it to me, so, you know, so I didn't have to do a lot of walking. Um, but uh, they basically, after he did it for a couple of days, a couple of the guards gave him a bunch of shit. Oh, he can come down here and get it himself. No, you're not doing that anymore. So I just hobble down and make them fucking wait for me to get there um so i would get the the four packs thank god so i'd have you know friday night i would take it and i would kick in and it would dull the pain a little bit allow me to sleep a little bit um and then saturday would be a lot better because i could take two in the morning and then two at nights and then sunday morning i would take two when i got up and then the rest of the week i had to suffer until friday um you know it's just another example of how the jail extorts you so these two packs were 39 cents a piece, okay? 
but you had to pay five dollars and fifty cents to even order them. So you're you're spending you know uh, thirty nine thirty nine plus five fifty just to get ibuprofen to last you for a couple days. They did give me uh, Tylenol uh, twice a day for three days in, in that, but Tylenol, it's not an anti-inflammatory. When when my ankle is swollen um, twice the size of the other one because of the pain and it's all red and looks bruised from the gout, and then uh, the the ball of my foot by my big toe is puffed out to here and, 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 and bright red from the inflammation on the inside, there's nothing nothing Tylenol is going to do. I mean, I took it because it was better than nothing. It is a mild pain reliever, but it, it ain't shit. So they, they extort the fuck out of you when you're in jail. Uh, so no meds. Um, you know, uh, the place is disgusting. They're, they're, they look like pubes everywhere all over the floor. You couldn't get rid of them. Uh, to clean your cell, they would bring the, the same mop, mop bucket every day with deleted, diluted bleach. Um, the mop head was disgusting. It was clearly, I know it was the same one used every single day that I was there for 45 days. And I don't anticipate that it was, they probably don't replace it until it's falling apart. So you're just basically smearing shit all over the floor. So I never used it. Um, uh, the rooms, uh, a couple of the rooms in there smelled like piss because in the upper level, uh, there were vents on the floor. And so dudes that had been in there pre previously would piss in the vent instead of going downstairs and you and using the, the, the urinal. So they, uh, they'd want the, the guys that were on the bottom floor, well, one guy on the bottom floor in particular bitched all the fucking time about it. It's thinking you're like pits. It smells like shit. And it's like, you're the one that's talking about it all the time. Maybe wash your ass once in a while, bitch. Anyway, uh, he, he's a giant. I call him. If I talk about him, uh, anymore, I'll probably refer to him as King baby. Um, big stupid tattoo on the back of his head. Um, you know, talked to talked about his wife, told her to fuck off and called her stupid and then said all these terrible things on the phone. Just a worthless human being. But anyway, so they'd come in and they would spray all these bottles. Now, if you know anything about safety, and I'm sure at your workplace when you have cleaning supplies, everything has to be labeled. Um, and, and my experience in, with OSHA and construction, none of these bottles are labeled. So you have no idea what the fuck that you actually have. You can smell the bleach or whatever, but we're dumping there. The, the guards in the jail are having you dump bleach into the breathing air vents um, and something else called Odoban that I need to look into a little bit more. Um, but they're dumb. This the, it goes down to the vents and this liquid just sits there. It's not cleaning the filters that are in there. If they even fucking have filters. I, I know they have to have filters. That has to be the problem. The urine smell sits in there and then it, it then it gets it seeps into the, the, the filtration the, or the filters and then it just passes it on. You're dumping shit in there. It's not cleaning the vents. These people are fucking dumb. Um, so... Luckily for me, I was able to get body wash and shampoo and, and stay clean and get some socks and, and everything. Um, clean, clean in there. You know, it's just nasty. You just, the best thing you can do is not think about it. You go in, you take a shower. Um, you get as clean as you can. You change your clothes as much as you can. And, um, you know, I just stayed in my, stayed in my room, uh, stayed in my lane, if you will. Um, we had... Uh, some interesting characters got to spend some time with some interesting characters. Uh, to give you an example of why jail is not the answer in most cases for nonviolent people. 
there was a guy in there who uh, he had gotten out of jail and then five hours later ended up back uh, because he, he set a dumpster on fire to try to stay warm because he had nowhere to go. And uh, this dude's skinny, you know, you can see his bones and um, a lot of these guys that have been there multiple times, they know each other and uh, so they they would take advantage of this guy and trade him things for his food or um, they would trade him a tiny scoop of coffee for, for to do stupid shit. This guy, um, I mean, snorting coffee apparently is a big thing. There are a bunch of guys that would snort coffee grounds um, in there. Apparently that's, that's something that's normal in jail. Uh, but this guy didn't stop there. Uh, they, they had him snort picante sauce um, for coffee. Um, those hot fries that you get, um, the snack thing, um, they crushed up one of those and had him snort that as well for things. Uh, you know, uh, at first I was, I was annoyed by this dude, you know, I, because I, I still have biases that I had before I really understood what addiction was. And that's why I'm not bad at people that have those biases, but because uh, I get it, because I that was implanted in into me too. But he's he was not a bad person. He's a person that needs serious help, and that's why I do this podcast, and that's why I'm I'm gonna try to get my certs, and I want to get to these people before the fucking system gets to them. So uh, before I left uh, my last night there, I um, I don't want to use his nickname because I don't want people to know who he is. But I I told this this guy um i said hey man i'll give you my headphones because you get oh i forgot to mention you get tablets and i know when people hear that they're like oh yeah that's great that, well it is the only thing that saved me i'm um, on these tablets uh, you have to pay five dollars a month or you can just use the free shit that's on it i use the free shit that's on it but thank god um they were uh, a handful of really good podcasts recovery podcasts um, i'm going to email these podcast people i wrote down their emails uh, from the the info and I'm going to email them and tell them that, you know, you, you saved me in jail. You were the only thing that kept me sane. Uh, that's why, that's why I want to do this. Cause if, well, <laughs> if these guys wouldn't have done these podcasts and had it available on this uh, secure system, you know, I would have had nothing. Uh, so this guy, uh, my last day, I said, hey, man, I'll, I'll give you my uh, headphones because headphones are $15. They're cheap, super cheap pieces of shit. But uh, a guy gave it, uh, loaned me a pair, and uh, he got kicked out of the pot and uh, never asked for it back, luckily. Um, so I, I told this uh, this guy that set the dumpster on fire and was snorting shit. I said, hey, man, um, I was leaving at 6 a.m. the following morning. So I, I went I went up to him in front of the, all the guys, and I said, hey, man, uh, those guys knew I was leaving, and he didn't. And uh I said, tomorrow, you give me your lunch tray, and I'll give you these headphones. <laughs> I wasn't going to be there for lunch, so the, you know it was a, a win for him either way. And he's like, oh, I don't know. Like, what's for lunch tomorrow? And one day a week, you get, um, you get sausage patties and uh, one biscuit. And he's like, oh. Well, first, he was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. And then he, and then he heard a sausage and gravy, and he's like, I don't want to. Some of the guys are like, come on, man. It's a good deal. You got to do it. And finally, he he's like, 
all right, all right, I, I, I'll do it. And so I'm like, all right, but you got to shake on it, dude. Can't go back on it. So he shook, and then a little while later, he came up, and he's like, hey, man, can I at least have my dessert? And I was like, yeah, dude, you can have your dessert, man, no problem. And uh, so anyway, at the end of the night, I uh, I went up to his cell, and I was like, I get your sausage and gravy, right? You're not backing out of the deal. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, dude, I'm leaving tomorrow morning. So, oh, and at first, his first thought was like, I'm telling him I want my headphones back. The deal's off. And he's all sad. And I was like, no, nah, you can still have the headphones, dude. I'm just not going to be here, man. My plan was just to give them to you anyway. And he's like, what? So I get my lunch tray? I was like, yeah. Oh, man, I was so worried I was going to be so hungry, you know, and it's just a huge smile on his face, you know. Um, and I gave him I gave him some uh, clothes that were bought for me and I, I gave him some uh, um, one of the guys that I befriended there. He left me uh, his uh, shampoo because it was uh, dry skin, dry scalp uh, shampoo. And I, I gave a couple days before I was leaving. I gave that to this dude and uh, he came up and thanked me after he got out of the shower. He's like, thanks, man. That's the first shower that I got to, real shower I got to take since I've been here. And uh, just little things like that. You know, um, you know they're they're helpful for people like us that are in there. A little acts of kindness, not not looking to take advantage of the dude. Um, you know, I, I, I all these notes. You know, it was more of me getting things out. I was gonna, you know, say certain things, but I don't think I'm gonna go. I don't think I'm gonna go in any farther on people in there. It's uh, but it is sad to see um, this one guy told me that he was in there because he was behind uh, $1,500 in child support. And that, that terrified me because being in treatment for almost a year um, and, and the end of the bad times of my disease, I, w I wasn't working. I couldn't work. There's no way. And then the only way to, to save myself was to go to treatment. And obviously you're not working there. And um uh, so I'm I'm way farther behind than that. I'm like, oh my god, I'm I'm gonna get to the end of this, and I'm not. They're gonna take me right back to jail for child support. How am I supposed to get out of this? Well, turns out he was more like twelve thousand dollars behind, and so everything you can't trust anybody in there. There's not everybody in there is obviously in there coming to get better. There was a guy in there. I will mention this that you know he I, I made it very clear that I was in recovery. Four days into me being there, two guys got in trouble in my pod for making hooch, which is alcohol, and uh, I, I expressed my displeasure with that uh, very loudly. That you know that's I'm not okay with that. I mean, what are they going to do? They're going to beat me up because I'm I'm speaking up about my recovery. Fuck them. Uh, uh, but one of the guys he came up and he talked about how he uses meth and he's like, he's like, oh yeah, he's like that that doesn't do anything to me, man. I can eat, I can sleep. Yeah, I'm gonna get right back out, go do meth because it doesn't cause any problems in my life. Huh? I'd have been sponsor and heard that or if I would have been in a different position I'd be like for real so meth has nothing to do with your double digit domestic violence issues cool good luck with that so um, you know I mean jail has its places and, and for 
you know, it's good for some people who, you know, maybe if I would have went to jail for a longer period of time, maybe if my dad wouldn't have bailed me out when they picked me up last March, uh, March of 2021, um, maybe I would have dried out a little bit and made a decision. I mean, I made a decision anyway when I got out of there and went back to treatment because I, I mean, I, I had already planned to go back to treatment because I just got out of there after 60 days and I went right back to drinking. Um, so I, I, I don't know um, if, if the other thing is too, you, you got to understand that in Bay County, they have a place that's called TriCap for addicts. And I had two guys, I gave them the number, the one guy called Harbor Hall where I went to that, that place. I love that place. It saved my life. And uh, he even had a bed ready for him and the court wouldn't let them, wouldn't let him go there. He was signed up for 90 days, but they wanted to make him go to TriCap because uh, they're in bed with this company. So it's like, oh, well, we have to send you here because these are our people. And that's really fucking dumb. There's changes that need to be made. So, um, so on, uh, I might as well say something that was absolutely disgusting, but relatively funny. Uh, this guy came in and uh, I nicknamed him Lizard. Didn't call him that to his face, but in my notes, Lizard, he um, obviously had some severe mental uh, situations uh, going on and he needed to be somewhere else and not in a fucking jail cell again, but still people in there, fuck them. They're just scum. And uh, I can verify that by what the guard said when I left and that that's coming up here in a second. But um, this guy, he'd, he'd sit there and just, that's why I called him lizard. He actually said that he has lizard tongue. But uh, he had some sort of threats or whatever. He'd watch TV, and then he would interject himself in the conversations with the characters on TV. Um, he used the N-word a lot when black people appeared on TV. And it's like, man, um, I know why they moved this dude into our pod, because we're we're a lot more laid back in there. That I was grateful that I was in the pod of non-troublemakers. Um, this this same dude before he got moved into our pod, he was at the AA meeting, my second to last AA meeting, and he just talked the entire time while people were sharing. Um, luckily, you know, I recognized that he had an issue, but I was still really fucking irritated. It's like, shut the fuck up, dude. This is my one hour a week. You know what I mean? But so this dude um, got moved into our pod, and at eleven thirty during the week and twelve thirty on the weekends, um, that's lockdown time. He'll come over to the speaker and say, "Hey, lockdown." Student went to his room and he had to piss and he just assumed the doors were locked. He didn't even try the door to get, go out and use the uh, urinal. So he decided that it was a good idea to piss in his one towel that they gave him. Um, but he obviously didn't piss in just his towel. All his clothes reeked like piss. His entire room reeked like piss. Um, and his answer or his uh, way of uh, rubbing this is uh, he, he stuck his clothes in the shower for, I think he was, hold them in there for like 15 seconds and then hung his pissed smelling clothes on the handrails, the stairs that go up and down on the bottom. And he said he didn't know. He just assumed the doors were, were locked. So, <sighs> yeah, I feel more bad for him now than anything, but uh, it was very, very interesting. Um, very interesting people. Um, in this place, a lot of people that need help. Um, so, I mean, I think that I, I really covered that. Um, 
you know, in the moments of writing these notes, you know, I was a lot angrier. Um, you know, it's a lot, uh, a lot more of a, a lot more of a dick <laughs> while I was in there because I, you know, I was just angry. I was angry at myself. I was trying to place blame to make myself feel better. And, um, you know, looking at this now, you know, I was overreacting in a lot of situations, but uh, they did not correct anything. I, I guess that that's my point. Um, jail is not the answer for people that are, are actually working on their recovery. And uh, it's really sad uh, to see people being taken off their meds just because the sheriff or whoever makes the decisions in that jail decides that they're not doing, they're not going to give you your meds. Um, there's ways around that. They do it in treatment all the time. Um, guys in treatment want to gum their shit and sell it just as much as they do in jail, but somehow in treatment they make it work. But these lazy motherfuckers that are guards who come in with their head, their nose up in the air and they talk down to everybody. And and uh, so when I was leaving um, in the morning, I, I, I was ready at 4.30 in the morning and they don't call your name till 6.00. And uh, so they finally called my name and I grabbed my stuff and I'm I'm limping a, a lot less because it's time to get the fuck out of there. And um, two guards came and the one said, oh, you're walking a lot better now that you're going home. I'm like, hell yeah, man. Ibuprofen's just right around the corner, dude. I just need to get out of here. And the other guy, a guard says to me, ibuprofen, he's like, you, you mean crack? And he didn't say it as a joke. It was the intent was, you mean crack? Because... Everybody in here does crack, and you're just a worthless fucking crack fiend. Only thing that I was able to get out of my mouth, you know, while I was restraining myself from just dropping the fucking tote and saying, what the fuck is your problem, dude? But you got to remember, you get good time, and that's the only reason why I'm getting out of 45 days as opposed to uh, 56 days. Um, you can't. You can't because they will use one guy mouthed off one time that was in our pod to the, the biggest dick guard of them all and they took him to the hole which is you're sleeping on just a concrete slab you i don't even believe that you have a mat maybe you do but there's no phone no tv just nothing and they 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 said they were putting him in there for the remainder of his stay which i don't know if that's legal or not i don't know what the limitations are but you, you just don't do it so the only thing I said to this guy, I was like, crack, I've never fucking done crack in my life, man. I'm an alcoholic and I'm not going to do that either. And then I didn't say another word at him, you know, and his last name was Albright. And I don't give a fuck if I'm saying his name on my podcast or not. He was obviously younger than me by appearance. Um, but officer or guard or whatever your title is, Albright, you're a piece of shit. And, um, I hope you uh, live forever. Um, so that's, uh, I mean, that's that's pretty much the jail stay, man. Um, I don't drink, I don't go back. Right now, as far as uh, the law things go for me, um, I can be off probation by October. Um, they With a new law, your probation can get cut in half if you fulfill all the requirements and don't fuck up. Um, I have uh, the scram still on my ankle until about uh, April sometime, which is which is cool to get that off. I'm interested to see how I handle that, what kind of uh, 
what kind of uh, games the disease tries to play on me. Um, in jail, I had quite a few drinking dreams, but it wasn't the act of drinking. It would be the dream would start where I realized that I fucked up the, the night before and drank. And I was trying to figure out what the hell happened, um, where my vehicle was. I was walking around town in Coleman or places. And then I was immediately trying to lie and say, no, I didn't drink, even though I knew I drank. It's just it was crazy. I never picked up a bottle and physically drank in my dream, but um, I, I would wake up as if I it just happened. So uh, the disease was was working to, to play some games with me. So, um, you know, I wanted to, I, I don't know what I expected from this podcast other than just to give kind of a, kind of an informative thing, man. Um, I know a lot of people and I know that I've thought it too. Um, and when I was younger, what just fuck them, throw them in jail. That'll learn, that'll learn them good. It doesn't do anything. It, it takes people away from the people that can help them. It takes, uh, it, it, it puts people in a position um, where they owe money that they can't pay. And that just puts them right back in the system. And my counselor from Harbor Hall, he left the court system because he was sick and tired of seeing people getting chewed up and spit out. So he recognized it. And now more than ever, I have respect, more respect from this guy. He's making a lot less money, um, but he's doing a lot, uh, something that's a lot more important. Than, than sitting in jail and, and not giving a fuck about uh, solving the actual problem, which is the addiction. If you're nonviolent, I mean, if you, if you, if you violate um, somebody else's rights and freedoms, um, well, then, yeah, you, you deserve to be in jail. If you have 10 domestic violence um, convictions, then that means you're involving other people and physically hurting other people. But if you're you're just somebody that gets drunk and disorderlies, um, I am not advocating for drunk driving. It's very dangerous and very stupid. I'm an idiot. Okay. The full disclosure, um, my blood alcohol content from this infraction of August 2020 was 0.36. I was passed out in the turn lane. Um, that is extremely dangerous and stupid, completely irresponsible. And I deserved the punishment for putting people in the community at risk and putting the people that I love the most um, through that. And uh, I am deeply sorry. And to those that I love um, and extremely appreciative at the same time for those that are still by my side and supporting me today. I love you. I love all of you. And uh, my goal for this podcast is to, to keep doing it, keep speaking as much truth as I can sharing my side of it, not telling people what to do, but tell people uh, what I've done and where I'm going. And I have, you know, five months and a week of sobriety. This is the longest I've ever been sober from alcohol. Um, granted, I have this thing on my ankle. I understand that. And a lot of people say, well, that's the only reason why you're doing that. They might think that I don't care what they fucking think. I don't give a fuck anymore. I can't. I can't worry about what other people think. I just have to do what I do. And I have to show through my actions that I'm making changes. And I know now more than ever, after my kids talking to me for two hours on the phone last night, after not really wanting to talk to dad at all because of the choices that I've made, um, that what I'm doing is helping me. And that's not selfish in addiction. You do you take care of you. And everything else will come in mind. If I don't take care of myself, if I'm not true to myself, if I'm not 
seeing my self-worth, then if I don't like myself, how the fuck can I expect anybody else to like me? So I have to like myself. I have to be proud of the, the steps that I'm taking. And in the AA, they say progress, not perfection. So if I'm doing at least something today to in- improve myself, and that's all I get done. If mentally I can't do it, like, you know, most of the day today I spent crying and then uh, I spent some time talking with my grandmother about some difficult things. And then I, I just lay down and I, I took a nap. I had to, I had to, in early recovery, which I'm still in early recovery, um, napping and sleeping is extremely important. So if you know somebody that is going through addiction and it's been five, six months and all you do is sleep, that might be them being lazy, but it also might mean that they need, they need the time. They need the break, the mental break, dude. Your, your mind is going, it's like, for me, I'm, I'm 41 years old and I thought about this in jail. Like, I feel like I'm going to be in my fifties in no time. That seems like it's just right around the fucking corner. And when I thought of this, I had like a week left in my jail sentence. And that week felt like an eternity thinking about getting a job and, and, and catching up on child support and, 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 and furthering my education so that I can do more for people in addiction feels so far away. But in reality, it's just a couple of years away. If I get going on it and I sign up for it and I work hard like I know I can and, and do what I know I can do, it's two years away. But that seems it seems like it's Pluto. But my mind, the way my mind thinks, 59 years from now, you know, thinking about like, you know, being at retirement age, whatever that is now, I think it's 104. That seems like it's going to happen in, in a couple of days. And that's what my mind tries to tell me. It's like, yeah, dude, you don't have enough time. You don't have enough time to make up with your kids. Your kids are going to graduate and they're, they're going to move on with their lives. And they're, you know, you're not, you're going to miss out on all the, all the kids stuff. No, they got eight fucking years before they graduate. And I know that, but my mind won't let me focus on that. It won't let me see it. That's the irrationality, you know, and I, not just addicts have that, but in addicts, that's a key cause of continuing to use. My mind still tells me that the answer to not have to worry about this and think about this is to pick up another bottle and down that fucker, and that will take care of it. That is the solution. That is a solution to not feel. And as I posted earlier today on, on one of the posts, uh, something that I heard, when you quit drinking and you're in recovery, you feel better. Okay, so you take that statement as it is. You do feel better. You don't feel sluggish. You're not puking and dry heaving. Um, it's not restless sleep. Um, I, you know, you don't have all the physical ailments that come along. You're not, I'm not pouring sweat. I'm not bloated as a fucking fat blob. The physical part is basically, yeah, you feel better, but you also feel better. You feel anger better. You feel sadness better. You feel um, anxiety better. You feel all these things better. Whether that's grammatically correct or not, it doesn't matter. You get the point. So you have to learn how to deal with these things as you're going. You have to find a way, another outlet that isn't at the bottom of a bottle. And the longer I go in sobriety, yes, I still feel those things. But the good, the feeling of good and and, and pride, that's uh, I've had this chip before. 
this is a five month chip. I've had it before. And it was a lie because I drank. And I remember picking this chip up and holding on to it and trying to pretend on how proud I was. But inside it was a lie. This time I got out of jail and a very special person gave me this five month chip and I could have cried because it's fucking real this time. This is a real chip. This is, I did this. You will feel better and the better will be more gooder uh, than it was before. So you just got to fight, man. And coming up in what I'm going to call season two, um, I want to help. I don't give a fuck who you are. I don't care if we've never talked before. My number is on the Facebook page. Um, I, I got to get to work on my website um, and make that better. And um, I don't care who you are. Let's just talk. I can tell you my story. And um, even if it doesn't help, it'll help me. And AA, um, talking with other alcoholics helps you more than it helps them. And it's the truth. Just just talking to another alcoholic, um, it's a good reminder for the person that's in recovery. And the person that is struggling might hear something that they need to hear. So if you're in recovery, keep talking. If you're in the middle of addiction right now, uh, take that super brave, awesome, badass step and ask for help. So if you listen to the whole thing, man, love you long time. I have some really cool podcasts coming up. Um, they're they're going to be like, uh, you might, it might sound like I'm lecturing, but it's not a lecture. It's, it's some really cool ideas, I think, on how to explain certain things uh, that I've learned. And, and, and uh, I think they're going to be really good. I, I'm going to be a little confident here and say, I know they're going to be really good. And I think even people who aren't in an addiction, I think you're going to enjoy it. I really do. So it's, uh, it's, it's Dr. Pepper time, dudes. I'm quite parched. Again, thank you for listening. Um, and uh, that belt I had over my shoulder, there'll be more information coming, um, coming on that in the future. I think it's going to be really cool. Um, it's going to be something that has to do with these things. And it's going to be something where we'll be able to maybe celebrate um, somebody with, uh, with some serious recovery. Maybe I gave it away already. But anyway, thank you. Love you all. Thanks for watching. I'm going to do the lame shit. Go to YouTube. Like, comment on the uh, on the videos. Um, I'm going to turn the comments on the other videos. Subscribe on YouTube. That's a way to make this thing grow. Um and uh, there'll be some more avenues where you can help out and uh, future fundraisers coming. And um, you guys have a great night. We'll catch you on the other side.